Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and three films up for review this week. All pretty much awards contenders, but all big end of the year films. First up is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which is a follow-up to Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's Who Done It. Then there's Babylon, which is Damien Chazelle's Ode to Hollywood. And finally, Brendan Fraser returns to the big screen in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. This week, I've got Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which is the follow-up to Knives Out, which is a whodunit by Ryan Johnson, which is honestly one of my favorite films of the past few years, and I had an absolute blast at Glass Onion. The good thing about it is that it's not it's a sequel only in the sense that it's the next movie in the series. You don't actually really technically need to have seen Knives Out in order to understand Glass Onion because the only character who carries over is Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, our detective, and... You know, if you are familiar with whodunits or any sort of detective mystery, you know that the rest of the cast changing around it doesn't necessarily matter as much because they're going to give you all that info in this new one. So, yay. I mean, obviously, I recommend having seen Knives Out, but you don't need it in order to watch Glass Onion. There are some differences, and I don't think you should expect the exact same experience. I think this movie is super fun. I think it is a super timely commentary on particularly the uber-rich which is something that, you know, I don't think he could have predicted it would be so timely for certain leaders of like social media networks and people who are self-proclaimed geniuses, but who don't have a whole lot to say. Prescient in that sense. I think one of the things I did like about, it's not that I don't like this about this, because I follow the cultural zeitgeist or pop culture or whatever it is, I very much understood a lot of the nuances of the tropes of the characters that are being portrayed in this. You've got Ed Norton as this genius, you know, not recluse, but a, a quirky billionaire. I won't go into the details of all the characters, but you've got Dave Batista, Kate Hudson, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Janelle Monet, who is just such a force to be reckoned with in this, Jessica Henwick and Madeline Klein. And again, I think one of the things that may have made the other Knives Out a little more broadly relatable is that while they were all super rich characters, et cetera, et cetera, there was still a family drama at the core of it. And this is more about a group of friends. And so while, yes, most people, I hope, have friends and so can relate to how friend dynamics work and, and jealousies and, and you know, longstanding sort of mini allegiances within larger groups, I do think family is a little bit more of a universal theme. But either way, I had so much fun at this. I, I think it's so smart. It gives you clues in the right places. And then when it twists and turns, it feels unexpected, but not in a like, okay, now you're just being ridiculous way. There are a couple of things I was like, okay, this is, this is more fitting of the classic parts of the genre where the twists and turns I was like, that's a little bit of, you're, you're, you're pushing the twist. You're pushing the twist. But because everything else is so fun and so well thought out, I, you know, absolutely had a blast at it. It's out streaming on Netflix. There is literally no reason you should not watch this movie. I, I truly think in terms of just, you know, engaging, fun, but also dramatic content, this is amongst the top of the year. And so I'm not going to go into too much detail because again, it's a mystery and the fun of it is just getting to enjoy the mystery. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have this week is called Babylon. And this is another star-studded one, but I did not have quite as good a time slash a great time at this film. I think I was looking back at my notes and my top question to myself is, what is the point of this film and why is it so long? Because there are sub stories that start to form within it that I would have felt so much more interested in. But because we follow these like main characters, and again, so 
going back to Glass Onion for a little bit, nobody is necessarily likable. There's a couple likable people, but you are not designed to necessarily like some of the characters. In Babylon, which is the story of basically early Hollywood, and a lot of these characters stand in for other actual famous people, but it's not exactly a biography of Hollywood. I found some of them likable, but then by the end, I was like, am I supposed to be rooting for you because your actions don't indicate this? And and I didn't feel like people learned anything in the film or went on an arc or anything of the sort. So I was just like, this is just sort of a self-indulgent party, which is very Hollywood, actually. But it has Brad Pitt as this, you know, actor, actor. And the movie follows sort of uh, the particular genre of time where the talkies were happening. And so Hollywood, the paradigm shifted and people who were megastars, like, you know, suddenly are becoming uh, uh, not as viable on screen. You've also got Margot Robbie, who I really like Margot Robbie. I think she is absolutely watchable. I think she does a great job with the role she is given here, but she is being given the same roles over and over. And like, She's kind of doing the the Harley Quinn voice a little bit in this, but I it, I can tell it was written for that. But I'm like, maybe she should start deciding to do things that are just slightly different, which is why I'm so excited for Barbie. Yes, I said it. I'm very excited for that. Anyway, you've got Margot Robbie as this, you know, a starlet or somebody who wants to break into the industry. I think the uh, the the conversation is should be centering more around Diego Calva, who is uh, I, I had not seen him before, but he's very good in this. He plays somebody who sort of rises through the ranks as a PA but also bringing the perspective of, uh, you know, being a Mexican immigrant. Then you've got Jean Smart, who I absolutely adore, but I don't know what she's doing in this. She plays a reporter, and I was like, is she doing a British accent? I can't quite tell. And she's not, uh, she's a fabulous actress, but maybe not someone who can do a British accent. Then you've got these other supporting characters, and this is where I was like, I wanted these stories. You've got Jovan Adepo as this uh, black musician who starts to, uh, you know, actually be in front of the camera and some of the choices and compromises he has to make with himself as, you know, race was not exactly going so great back then or now necessarily. You've got Lee Jun Lee playing uh, basically an anime Wong-ish character who's dealing with, you know, um, there's some questions about her sexuality and, and her role in, you know, cinema and all this. There are interesting sub threads but I just feel like it got so away from so many of those and just kept being focusing on the glamour and the loudness and there there are all these like really extended party sequences that at first I was like oh I understand you're setting the tone here I actually thought the music during them was very good there's like one theme-ish song that's like the party theme I was like yeah all right this is this is really good music all right credit where credit is due and and, and I should have noted it's from Damien Chazelle who integrates music into a lot of his work, you know, Whiplash, La La Land, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I found it overly self-indulgent. I found that the the characters who I found compelling did not get as much screen time as they should have. You know, Brad Pitt is just playing Brad Pitt at this point in almost every movie he's doing. This is very much Once Upon a Time in Hollywood style, uh, where he's, again, playing this, like, icon of the screen, known for his looks, blah, 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 where, oh my god, Brad Pitt's an icon of the screen, known for his looks. Uh, what a stretch. But... Yeah, again, it, it started to get me, but if it hadn't been three hours and nine minutes and had learned to cut itself down there, you know, and, and had focused more on these sequences that maybe didn't have the as flashy names in them that were still better written, I would have had a much more satisfying experience, I think, and other people as well. So I'm only going to give this 2.8 out of 5. And then the last movie I have this week is called The Whale. And this is one of those movies where, I, I, actually, this may be the first time I have been confronted with 
so disliking the plot and premise of a movie, but really appreciating the one of the two of the performances within it. So it stars Brendan Fraser, which I'm so happy for him. I, you know, he seems like a very lovely human being. He's having his moment in the spotlight. Well deserved. He's really good in this in bringing a warmth to a role that if he or I, you know, I think there are other people who maybe could have played this role. But if you didn't bring that warmth to this role, this film would be so off putting that. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody would be talking about it, but because he elevates it. And also Hong Chao is in this and she honestly two performances from her this year that are both deserving of major accolades. The, the menu, she is a totally different character in this. And then she plays his. So Brendan Fraser plays a morbidly obese man in The Whale. Uh, Hong Chao plays a friend of his and, uh, you know, who has been supporting him. And he is trying to reconnect with his estranged daughter, who's played by Sadie Sink. And I think Sadie Sink is fine. Like, I, I, you know, I've watched Stranger Things. I don't have a ton of other uh, uh, context for her. I think, again, much like Margot Robbie or even Brad Pitt in Babylon, she is playing the role that she has been asked to play. I think the role is very poorly written. She is just like the queen of petulant teen in this. And my other issue, I have a lot of issues with this movie. Um, one, the way it treats morbid obesity and and like it's just the super disgusting that you know and and his character yes is large but it just doesn't feel you know she, the way she talks about it is cruel and and whenever I don't know exactly when this film is set but it is set in a modern enough time that you know he's teaching classes online so he doesn't have his camera on and all this stuff you know there are smartphones and things like that and so the 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 age in which it's set I was like yeah people are cruel independent of time era whatever but it's not like people have never seen a morbidly obese person like his character is set out to be. And the, the you know, the circus freak niche that they are attributing to it, which is not the case. And they don't even portray this character in a a way like that. It, it just it just really didn't sit well with me. And then there's all of this really in a not inappropriate, but like because it is set in relatively modern times. And yes, they set it somewhere that I think it's in like the middle of the country effectively. But the the way they treat homophobia is people, I don't think even hateful people would not necessarily be using the language they're using in this. I mean, yes, people still use really hateful words in terms of like the, the gay community. But I feel like this film relishes in it in a way that does not serve the story, but that like speaks to a lack of understanding of how those hurtful words are used and when is representing like a character trying to hurt someone and when is just sort of flippant like lack of knowledge of better vocabulary to refer to the queer community with. So I found that to be particularly off-putting as well. Again, I also just the, the story is like just full of selfish characters going back to <laughs> Glass Onion, which also full of selfish characters. But this one, their motivations do not make sense to me. I actually should call out there is one additional performance that I will give credit to, and that is Samantha Morton, who has also has two movies this year where she just comes in, has one super powerful scene, and then is gone. And I'm like, use Samantha Morton more, people. From the, the Whale is from Darren Aronofsky. It's adapted from a play. I am not a Darren Aronofsky person, and I went into this with actually, like, you know, really rooting for it because I want Brendan Fraser to have more opportunities. I, I don't act, I don't know why we're all so personally invested in him, but again, I think that just speaks to the warmth that he brings to uh, his, you know, on-screen persona and his off-screen persona. But I just, I cannot in good conscience really recommend this film because I found it so, and, and off-putting in a way that, like, 
I don't think it is intended to be off-putting. I think it thinks it's being super smart and super clever, and it's doing its audience a disservice as a byproduct. The self-awareness in this movie is severely lacking. So I am only going to give it a 2.6 out of 5, and all of those points come from the performances being uh, the only saving grace of any parts of this movie. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.